Hey, brother! Guys, welcome to part five of Dumbledore's Big Plan, where today we are going to be discussing the Order of the Phoenix. If you are brand new to this series, I would highly recommend you go back and check out parts one through four, but otherwise, let's go. Well, it took four books to get here, but Voldemort has finally returned, and yet somehow he's not even the main villain in this book? I mean, what does that say about Umbridge? I think a lot. <coughs> <coughs> One of those would be good. Which is not to say that Voldemort doesn't still have a presence in the book, and Harry is still the one who's gonna have to finish him off, and so Dumbledore is still doing his darndest to prepare Harry for the inevitable. Unlike the last few books, though, this time Dumbledore has the benefit of knowing exactly what Voldemort is up to trying to steal the prophecy. And since not knowing the contents of the prophecy is what is presently stopping Voldemort from attacking Harry, Dumbledore's main goal is to protect the prophecy. And this goal ties into a few of his goals for Harry this year, all of which now have to be adjusted a little since Voldemort has actually returned. But what's really interesting about this book is that now that Voldemort is back, you actually get to see some of Dumbledore's past lessons be put to the test. And best of all, this is the book where he actually admits to the entire plan. Let's do this. Guys, we've been having so much fun doing these live streams every week that we are gonna keep the ball rolling right through Dumbledore's big plan. Again, this Friday, 6 p.m. live on the channel where we're gonna have some cool announcements about some new products that we might have available to you. I don't know, just saying, if you wanna be there, 6 p.m. Friday, Eastern. Oh, Dumbledore, in many ways, I think you are your own worst enemy in this book, a sentiment I think you are actually quite aware of. Do you see, Harry? Do you see the flaw in my brilliant plan now? Now, I had fallen into the trap I had foreseen, that I had told myself I could avoid, that I must avoid. Ugh, fall you did, Dumbledore. Fall you did. Well, not literally. That's not until the next book. I mean, Lark. Oh no! Too soon? Either way, the point is, it's not that your intentions weren't good. We'll get more into that quote later, but I wanted to bring it up right at the start because I feel like it really sets the tone for all of Dumbledore's goals for Harry this year, which are, first, similar to how it was in Prisoner of Azkaban, is to keep Harry safe. Second is to demonstrate the corruption of the ministry and maybe encourage a little rebellion. And lastly is to finally tell Harry the contents of the prophecy and why Voldemort is after him. Which, let's be real, it is about time. Well, it's a good thing we saved the Philosopher's Stone, but why did Voldemort try and kill me as a baby? I know Philosopher's Stone, right? I could, I swear, Harry, I swear I had some Birdie Bart's beans here. Wow, Professor, I can't believe I killed a basilisk, but why did Voldemort try and kill me as a baby? Dude, have you seen this sword? This thing is awesome. How much do you think we could sell it for? Wow, can you believe time travel's real? And Voldemort's coming back because Pettigrew escaped. I really would like to know why he tried to kill me. Hippogriffs are as hippogriffs do, Harry, and uh, maybe have some chocolate. It helps for the Dementors. Cedric <laughs> is dead. Why did he keep trying to kill me? Oh God, he's crying. Uh, I think I left those beans back in my office. I'm just gonna... In other news, what do you guys think of my new COVID mask? But okay, let's dive into Dumbledore's first goal, keeping Harry safe. People don't like being locked up. You did it to me all last summer. A truly wonderful sentiment that really drives home how much Dumbledore has fallen into his own trap. Voldemort's return means that Harry is in as much danger as he has ever been in. And since Dumbledore is still the only one who knows the contents of the prophecy, he needs Harry alive and safe 
and well. So, unlike last summer where Harry got to go to the Quidditch World Cup, this summer Dumbledore decides that it's better if Harry is left completely isolated the entire time. This is because, as Dumbledore explains, while you can still call home the place where your mother's blood dwells, there you cannot be touched or harmed by Voldemort. So, as far as Dumbledore is concerned, keeping Harry at number four Privet Drive as long as possible is the safest possible place Harry could be. Why he doesn't just tell Harry that this protection is in place is beyond me, but hey, at least in the meantime, he's got Mundungus and Mrs. Fig spying on him without Harry knowing the whole time. Wait. But of course, this plan goes totally astray when Harry and Dudley get attacked by a pair of Dementors. And this is an important distinction because at this point, the Dementors are still loyal to the Ministry. So while Harry is protected from Voldemort at Privet Drive, if he's also under attack from the Ministry, then it's time to move Harry again. But let's face it, the protection is significantly downgraded to Grimald Place, am I right? Yeah, right. Are you telling me the Fidelius charm and the core elite ores from the Order of the Phoenix being around Harry 24-7 having his best interest at heart is better than Mrs. Fig? <laughs> Yeah. After arriving at the headquarters of the Order of the Phoenix, Harry learns they are protecting a weapon that everyone is also refusing to tell him anything about. Which is round two of Harry's protection, because you might just be wondering, why doesn't Dumbledore just tell Harry about the prophecy? Because, like, if he'd known, then he wouldn't have been lured to the Ministry, and he would have just been like, in on everything, and Sirius maybe didn't need to die. The answer, though, is pretty simple. We talked last week about how Dumbledore already suspected that Harry was a Horcrux. So the reason Dumbledore doesn't tell him is because he's afraid then Voldemort will be able to access his mind and gain the information about the prophecy. Or at least we know that's Dumbledore's theory at this point because after Arthur is attacked, Molly says, You know, Dumbledore almost seems to have been waiting for Harry to see something like this. And said attack actually seems to confirm this theory to Dumbledore after he consults his little spinning silver instruments. A serpent's head grew out of the end of it, opening its mouth wide. Naturally, naturally, murmured Dumbledore, apparently to himself, still observing the stream of smoke without the slightest sign of surprise, but in essence, divided? This is when Dumbledore decides to implement occlumency lessons for Harry with his least favorite teacher ever. Snape. Now, of course, Dumbledore later claims that the reason he does this is to prevent Voldemort from luring Harry to the Hall of Prophecy. But I think the real reason Dumbledore wants Harry to know occlumency is because he has finally come to accept that it's the only safe way he will be able to tell Harry the prophecy. Because Dumbledore can't tell Harry until he knows he can repel Voldemort, because otherwise Voldemort will have access to it. Of course, if it was me, I might have told Harry that was the situation like, hey, if you master this skill, I can actually tell you what the weapon is. <sighs> but this is where Dumbledore really falters, because Snape sees that Harry is having dreams about the door, and he's obviously telling Dumbledore what he's seeing. I mean, if nothing else, occlumency lessons are like a really sneaky way of spying into Harry's mind. But even just like telling him not to go there, telling him Voldemort might try and lure him there. Like, why, Dumbledore? Why? But the reason 
is because of that tragic flaw in Dumbledore's plan. The reason he doesn't want to tell Harry about the prophecy is because he has grown to care for Harry too much. What did I care if numbers of nameless and faceless people and creatures were slaughtered in the vague future, if in the here and now you were alive and well and happy? Dumbledore is basically at war with himself. He has to physically keep Harry alive so that he can kill Voldemort, but his determination to mentally protect Harry from that burden prevents him from being honest with him, which makes Harry stop trusting him as much, which ultimately really undermines his second goal, which is to demonstrate the corruption of the Ministry. The Cruciatus Curse ought to loosen your tongue. That's illegal. Okay, so according to Educational Decree number 22, in the event of the current headmaster being unable to provide a candidate for a teaching post, the Ministry should select an appropriate person. This, as we all know, is the reason we are stuck with Umbridge. Or is it? Could it instead be the case that Umbridge is actually part of Dumbledore's big plan? <sighs> yeah. That's the, that's the case. Maybe Dumbledore didn't specifically have Umbridge in mind, but, but yes, he wanted them to appoint somebody. Let me ask you this. Does it strike you as at all odd that Dumbledore, the leader of the Order of the Phoenix, a secret defense against the dark arts society, can't find a teacher for the post of defense against the dark arts? I mean, it is literally where he pulled the last two from. Lupin and Mad-Eye are both members of the Order. I mean, granted, Moody didn't like totally work out and Lupin like could have killed somebody as a werewolf, but like whatever. But like Dumbledore knows Voldemort is back. There could not be a more important subject for his students than defense against the dark arts. And like, even if the members of the Order of the Phoenix don't want the job, like tough cookies, that's part of being in the order. You just do what Dumbledore says. The next year, he literally has order members stationed at Hogwarts. Why isn't one stationed as the defense against the dark arts professor this year? In fact, Next year, he does do that with Snape. Here is my list, my short list, it could be longer, of potential candidates that Dumbledore underutilized for this position. Kingsley Shacklebolt, Daedalus Diggle, Elpheus Doge, Emmeline Vance, Sturgis Podmore, Arthur Weasley, Bill Weasley, Charlie Weasley, Hestia Jones, Tonks, Floridella Cor, A Wet Plant, Dobby, Gilderoy Lockhart again, the actual Mad-Eye Moody, and this would have been my actual favorite, wait for it, Molly Weasley. Yes, Molly, who doesn't even appear to go out on missions for the Order of the Phoenix and who I'm sure would have liked to have been close to her children during these uncertain times and who, oh yeah, is the one who actually defeated the second darkest character in the entire series. Not my daughter, you Oh man, you cannot watch that scene without getting hyped. All Umbridge has them do is just read the book, which apparently Dumbledore is okay with. So certainly, any of those people is qualified to at least sit there and watch them read the book. Especially, and maybe even notably, The Wet Plant. Heck, for that matter, why doesn't Dumbledore himself just teach the class? I mean, we know he's done it in the past, and again, just literally 
anyone would have been better than Umbridge. The reason is because Dumbledore wants Harry to understand the corruption of the Ministry and to double down on Harry's loyalty to Dumbledore. Because we all agree Umbridge is the actual worst, but at the end of the day, all she really has control over is a high school. But her control there does serve as a very good small scale example of what it might be like if Voldemort takes over the Ministry. Umbridge comes across a thing she can't control? No problem. She just passes another law. Did those laws make things harder for her? No problem. Her and the Inquisitorial Squad are just above the law. Voldemort and the Death Eaters are the exact same way. As soon as they have control over the Ministry, they pass legislation to round up Muggleborns, they taboo Voldemort's name to spread fear, they put a bounty on Harry's name to discredit him, and they no longer have to fear retribution for the use of deadly spells. And it's important for Harry to see this firsthand because, and I know I sound a little bit like a broken record here, but Dumbledore is the only one who knows the content of the prophecy and that Harry has to be the one to kill Voldemort, which means he is uniquely qualified to be the only one to guide Harry without an ulterior motive. Harry has to be able to trust only Dumbledore and say no to other offers of help because no matter what, they will be self-serving, if not straight up malicious. Plus, having Umbridge there offers Harry a way to practice fighting tyranny. Because having Umbridge there teaching them absolutely nothing almost immediately encourages unity and rebellion from about 75% of the student body. Which, if you recall, was the goal Dumbledore failed to accomplish last year, but something he definitely does not stand in the way of after the DA is formed. Which is also something he knows is happening the moment it is happening because unbeknownst to any of the students, the barman at the Hogshead is Dumbledore's brother, Aberforth. And yet, Dumbledore does nothing to stop it. In fact, he totally defends it against Ministry investigation, totally playing dumb despite knowing exactly what they're up to. Now, that said, it's hard to say for sure that Dumbledore wanted Harry to form some sort of secret society or defense league or something. That would be like a really wildly specific goal and, after all, all of the students are suffering under umbrage, so why would he think Harry in particular would be the one to do something about it? I mean, it's not like he tells him to or anything. But here's the thing, he doesn't have to tell Harry because he knows Harry will be the one to do something because the ministry that year is out to discredit three things, Dumbledore, Harry, and the return of Voldemort. He's Voldemort, who at this point has failed to kill Harry in person on four occasions and whom Harry saw return the previous year and murder a classmate. Combine that with Harry's track record for heroics, like being the one to protect the Philosopher's Stone, to find the Chamber of Secrets, to fend off a hundred Dementors. And it feels pretty obvious Dumbledore knew Harry would do something and maybe even wanted him to. And that is why he allowed Umbridge to be appointed. And the foreshadowing here is really kind of perfect. 
I mean, if Umbridge and the Inquisitorial Squad represent Voldemort and the Death Eaters, then Harry and the DA represent Dumbledore and the Order of the Phoenix. Which, by the way, Dumbledore might not have told Harry to form a secret defense league, but he did also have Harry stay at the headquarters of his own secret defense league that summer. So I'm just saying, I'm not saying for sure it was Inception, but like... But that brings us to the final bit of Dumbledore's plan for Harry this year, to finally tell him about the prophecy. Dumbledore tells Harry, I defy anyone who has watched you as I have, and I have watched you more closely than you can have imagined, not to want to save you more pain than you had already suffered. First of all, there it is, right there. Dumbledore just admitting to the plan, always having someone nearby to keep an eye on Harry and push him in the right direction when he needed it. And we touched on this a little bit earlier, but with Voldemort back, Dumbledore is officially out of excuses for not telling Harry why Voldemort tried to kill him. But I do think he finally intends to, which as we said earlier, is why he really wants Harry to learn occlumency. Of course, Harry doesn't, but it ends up working out okay for Dumbledore in the end, because the prophecy is smashed, and at that point, there's no way for Voldemort to collect it, including breaking into Harry's mind, because after he tries to possess him and feels the mortal agony of coming into contact with a pure and whole soul, Dumbledore is confident Voldemort won't try and attack Harry's mind again. This, however, also means, from Voldemort's point of view, that he will never know the prophecy, so not gonna bother trying collecting it anymore. May as well revert to the original, very elegant plan, which is, screw it! Kill Harry! And Dumbledore knows Voldemort has done this math, which is the thing that, at long last, finally forces his hand and makes him tell Harry the prophecy. On top of that, the whole world knows Voldemort is back now, so the time for preparation is over. The time to attack has begun. And you might think that with Harry knowing the prophecy, all the cards are finally on the table. Dumbledore's big plan is just over. But despite his honesty and despite Dumbledore telling Harry he was going to tell him everything, he doesn't. He still has at least three aces left up his sleeve. And boy are they some big ones. But we will cover that next week. For now, that is it. That is part five of Dumbledore's big plan. Tune in next week for part six as we dive into the Half-Blood Prince. And in the meantime, if you think we missed anything or if there are things from the Half-Blood Prince we absolutely need to include, make sure you leave it in the towel section down below. Also, don't forget that this Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, we are going to be hosting a live stream right here on this channel with some brand new products to reveal to you lovely people. We hope to see you there. Guys, thanks so much for watching today's video. Please remember to leave a like on it if you haven't already and subscribe so you don't miss any future Harry Potter action from us. If you want to see part six of Dumbledore's Big Plan, you can check out this video right here, unless this is the first week. I think you guys know the drill by now. But until next week, Ben, I will see you in another Life Brother.